At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome on to Dunk Time. We got more NBA basketball action to talk about here. Boston-Miami, classic finish for Clippers and Suns on a Devin Booger buzzer beater and Dallas and Sacramento also went into overtime so those are the ones we're going to focus on today also we got to talk about the Jaron Jackson news and take some stock of that West playoff picture in light of that also got to remind you of course that we will be on NBA League Pass it, announcing live games even if you can't catch it the next three are going to be during the day if you have League Pass just give us a watch afterwards and thanks to so many people who have commented I'm actually putting together a spreadsheet to send to the league of all these social media positive mentions that we're getting so you can use the hashtag nba cast also if you want to just ask a question for us to do during the telecast beforehand use the hashtag nba cast as well and we can use that so uh next telecast is tomorrow 2 30 eastern gonna be jazz and grizz fascinating game here as the grizz try to get back on track they're now zero and three in the bubble why don't we begin with boston miami here a surprise loss for boston which has played competitively but is now one and two in the bubble but no jimmy butler with calf soreness he was a very late scratch for the heat and yet miami took care of business here yeah and at the outset of this game what i was wondering it was like, okay how are they going to pick up the slack from jimmy butler you know he has the ball in his hands a lot and there wasn't a natural replacement on the roster there especially now that jay crowder has already gone into the starting lineup replacing myers leonard so i was kind of wondering okay where are they going to go with this and the most logical place to go was what they did at the start of the season remember jimmy butler missed it and that was more Kendrick Nunn. And Kendrick Nunn did not have it at all in this game. And incidentally, Jimmy Butler's actual replacement in the starting five, Kelly Olenek, I thought he had it more as a playmaker than Kendrick Nunn did. Yeah, Nunn, I mean, recall that he and Adebayo both missed a lot of their camp uh, with COVID-19. Adebayo has looked awesome, as we will get to. But Nunn has really struggled last two games, 0 for 7 and 2 for 6, and hasn't beaten 20 minutes in each of those. And remember, in this game, of course, you know, we as you mentioned, there was a, a need for him gordon dragic has looked extremely good until he tweaked his ankle hopefully nothing serious well uh, yeah thankfully Woj is reporting that the uh the x-ray was negative and so it's a slight sprain we don't know exactly what a slight sprain means in terms of absences but i mean considering he left the game in crunch time i I was worried it was going to be something more significant than that yeah we can hope so i'm really really impressed with Miami so far in the bubble and yeah I know they lost to Toronto but they actually played great defense in, uh, against Toronto we talked about that yesterday they they held them to t- 37% shooting on twos and you know it was just a crazy three-point shooting performance and, and the foul line that got them in trouble this BAM at center thing that they're playing with Crowder at the four they've got Andre Guadala now who you know has taken some time to round into form we'll see whether and he's also not known for his regular season intensity we'll see whether he becomes an offensive liability but he's going to be able to defend till the end of his life, probably just to, with his brain and length. This is yet another really rough game for an opponent. And the Heat in that first game, they blitzed Denver, held them to 105. Boston was struggled to 106 in this game. So I, I've really been impressed with what they've done defensively. Absolutely. And that gave them a little bit of a margin. In the early part of this game, it kind of felt, a, in the very early part, I'm talking like the first five, six minutes, it kind of felt a little bit like the beginning of Portland-Boston, with Boston played the other part, where the other team's just making every shot. That shifted pretty quickly. Miami ended up 15 to 43 from three, and they, they did make a fair amount of jump shots. But it wasn't it wasn't as ridiculous. And, and that was something that I found interesting. Like in, the, in one of the first blushes, you go, wow, Miami only took 16 shots in the restricted area. 
compared to 32 for Boston. But part of the reason they had so few shots in the restricted area was that they were getting to the foul line a lot. And so they replaced some of those shots with free throws, a 39 to 27 margin. And I don't want to talk a ton about the officiating in this game, but there was a lot of there was a lot of the fun technical weirdness as well that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, there something probably needs to happen that fewer fouls need to be called. You know, Hollinger and I talked about this a, a little bit when we recorded today. But uh, that said, the thing that I would point to more about this game for Boston is only 15 assists on 37 made field goals. I mean, that is a putrid percentage. I mean, the league average is about 60% of field goals are assisted. And when you consider that, you know, some of them come off offensive rebounds, which don't have a chance for being assisted. I mean, most of your first possession buckets, and, you know, there were a few offensive rebounds in this game for Boston and Scanner, but I think uh, that shows you really that Miami was forcing Boston into a lot of one-on-one. We we saw Jalen Brown go 9 of 23 for 18 points uh it's interesting that he took that many shots uh, do you have any thoughts on why he was shooting so much more than say gordon hayward or jason tatum who took uh 13 and 11 shots respectively but were much more efficient not particularly i, I thought tatum was more aggressive as a driver late, later in the game and he did get to the line a little bit that was some that led to some of the drama later on with him saying about fucking time and that was what, what got his tech which looks like it it could loom large in this one but no i didn't i didn't notice anything in specifically like oh that's why it's going one direction and, and not the other but Tatum did get to the line nine times something that we've that, that we've crit- not criticized and we've we've noted before in the past and sometimes it's just taking it taking the seam this kind of the seam that you can get and you think that that he's on a weaker opponent and Brown sometimes is going to have to take more of the onus because Tatum has succeeded well enough that opponents are going to put better defenders on Tatum. Yeah, and that is one of the advantages that this Boston team has is a lot of guys who you're not going to be able to have a great matchup uh, for all of them. Kemba Walker, he got bumped up to 27 minutes uh, this game, did not close it uh, again. Uh, Marcus Smart hilariously fouled out in the third quarter of this game and he yeah. also was was over five. I mean, that's a that's a Brad Stevens special that usually works out for him where he says he's just, I'm not going to take you out due to foul trouble, but uh, that this is one of the times that that didn't work out. I still largely, of course, course agree with that sentiment yeah grant williams only played three minutes because his soul got taken from his body by taylor hero i think that was in the third quarter <laughs> what what happened on that one uh hero crossed him up and then hit a step back through his face which was hero had some he had some real highlights i i, I thought that he had a, a nice pass as, had a couple nice passes as well you know it's still 11 points on 10 shooting possessions didn't get the free throw line so yeah i, I mean wanna... i was seeing all these tweets about it because that, I, I that was the grant williams later. play that's what it really yeah. primarily what it was yeah but i seeing all these tweets about oh man tyler hero is killing it and i'm like okay wow when i, when I watch this game later like i'm really gonna see something from him and hey he had 11 points on 410 that's nice but you know he's uh, I, I still question a little bit uh whether he's really gonna be this like awesome awesome superstar we talked much more about him obviously in their young player review um should we talk about bam tonight here yeah, I think that we should. And I was interested in, in Bam specifically in this game from a couple of different perspectives. One of them that it looks like Philadelphia is going to, I think the most likely outcome right now is that Philadelphia is going to get the sixth seed. Not definite, but like with Aaron. So Bam is another physically, he's a different kind of physical center, but I wanted to see how Boston, how, how it happened with Boston. And also I wanted to see how Boston fared offensively with somebody like Bam protecting the rim and everything else. And I, I thought he did a wonderful job. Well, and it was interesting. I looked at the box score before I watched this game and I thought okay so he had 21 points and was 5 of 12 from the field and 18 free throw attempts he only made 11 of them but you know for for him to have you know that's probably one of the highest shooting possession games that he's ever had in his career over 20 shooting possessions and only two assists so I'm like that's interesting you know he usually has five assists why is it that he took so many shots and had fewer assists well a big part of it was that Boston was largely guarding him with a smaller player so that they could do some switching on those handoffs that they like to do with Duncan Robinson we've seen teams come up with some you know that two-man game without a bio and Robinson on the handoffs is something that we've seen teams really have to come up with solutions for. And so that was Boston's solution for parts of this game. And so what Bam did is he was like, okay, you're going to put a smaller guy on me. I've got four shooters around me. I'm going to just put my back to goal and just work into the lane and overpower whoever you put on me, whether it's Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward. And you know, even Tice to some degree, but Tice spent a lot of the time on, on a Linux too. They started both Bam and a Linux with Butler out. And 
I thought it was really just impressive. Like his ball handling is so good. His strength is good. Now, Boston, some of these plays, he was just overpowering. They had no no hope, but to follow, like there was one play, he got this ridiculous left-handed offensive rebound and just tore the backboard down on Gordon Hayward. Uh, But part of it was Boston just not having discipline as far as going straight up there. Just had their arms forward and Bam would go into him once they, once he actually picked up his dribble, you know, say five feet from the basket. Instead of him just making, forcing him to make a hook shot over them, they were just ha- trying to lean on him and they had their arms forward and they're just fouling just with bad discipline. So that, that was something that they definitely could have cleaned up. But yeah, you do have to start to worry a little bit about Boston's uh, ability you know, whether it's against Miami or against Philly, you know, well, and to, to stop guys inside. Something else that I, I thought about during this game a couple moments, even though Miami didn't have Jimmy Butler as one of their potential creators, is that like came up in the league pass game that we did on Monday with Philly and the, and the Spurs, teams playing quote unquote smaller. One of the big challenges is support rim protection. So whether that's, you know, your your center is out on the floor and so somebody there's a, there's a line in penetration. So who's going to stop it? And I thought that Boston, they, they weren't super, I didn't think they were super impactful in those moments. And also that led to a lot of fouls where they didn't have great verticality. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, particularly noteworthy, we saw Stevens close the first half with their five best players, Tice on the bench, Walker was in, and then the, the four wings. And that was a time when Bam really went to work a, a lot. And they're just there, as you mentioned, there wasn't that supplemental root protection. I think in the last four possessions of the first half, Bam got fouled three times and he got a bucket. It, all of that really, you know, they would do some like bit, dribble pitch stuff to get him going to the remaining. None of it was just throw it to him in the post. It was all him dribbling into these plays, but just still using his size to just work into position. It, and Boston really did not have much of an answer for that. Oh, um, what, one other yeah. thing I wanted to mention, I mean, granted, you wouldn't expect other teams to go as as aggressively and impressively as Toronto did in this in their win on Sunday over Miami. One of the ideas of teams they give up threes is kind of like, can they give them up to the right guys? Duncan Robinson, we talked about how Toronto completely erased him. Four three-pointers, five total shots in 22 minutes. 11 three-point attempts for Duncan Robinson in 29 minutes here. And actually, Miami took, they took about the same number of three-pointers in this game as they did in the Toronto game, but it was mostly Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olynyk, and Tyler Hero. That's exactly who Miami wants to be taking those shots. Yeah, you make a great point there and back to Iguodala you know he, he shot six times five of them were threes he's one of five 31 minutes for him and it is interesting you know Miami Hollinger and I talked about this some um, when we we got asked the question of like what team is the best developmental team not that Iguodala needs development but I promise I'm going somewhere with this and we ended up picking Toronto because Miami it's kind of just like all right we're gonna get you into great shape we're gonna really kick your butt and if you can't take it and you get injured, fine. But the guys who remain are going to be in awesome shape. And Iguodala, you know, he was really babied, rightfully so, especially during the regular season by the Warriors, although he keeps himself in great condition. I mean, he's one of the, like, the lowest body fat guys in the league. And so I remember when he was here, I, I uh, took note. Uh, I mean, I think he came back like the second game after they'd played in Portland. He's like, yeah, I played 16 straight minutes in uh, in Portland the other night. Like, you know, uh, sort of implying like that's that's different, you know. And so it's like 31 minutes for him in a game like this. And like, yeah, they're trying to win. They're trying to get their rhythm. But this game doesn't like really mean that much. And yeah, but, Jimmy but Butler it, wasn't there either. Yeah, but and just, if, I think yeah. the Butler's absence is temporary. I think they shifted things around. We saw more Derek Jones Jr. as well. Like, yeah. I think it was kind of the idea of okay, this this probably isn't going to last that long. It is it is an important game for Miami in terms of potentially staying in the four. Maybe Spolster, maybe they think they can give Boston a little bit of heat for the three. That's going to really depend on how Boston plays from here on out because they have some very winnable games that will just hold serve enough for them. But yeah, I, I mean, I just thought the whole thing was funny with Iguodala because the Heat are just such a different organization yes. than the Warriors culturally. And yeah, you know what? He like a, like did that trade after they gave him his money for next season but the miami heat are going to make sure that he earns that money <laughs> you know it's just it, it just kind of made me laugh a little bit seeing uh the difference uh with them you know i, I don't think that, he, that it's necessarily the type of organization that he would have chosen but they're the ones who paid him so uh and i don't begrudge him that in the slightest let's take a quick break and we can move on to a classic game between phoenix and the Clippers. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 
2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easy to remember slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout Easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us yeah this one was really a ton of fun between phoenix and la really enjoyed it a, a lot of uh, just high level basketball in the second half I, I thought that particularly in the last three or four minutes of the game or so it was fantastic high quality basketball uh, from both teams well, I mean, we got to see the Clippers really try on defense for a little bit, which was exciting. I mean, and that I think for me, that made Phoenix winning the game more kind of fun and exciting because I, I know those last possessions, like Kawhi and Paul George are going at it and in a way that they don't in most regular season games. Well, Kawhi, particularly on defense. And yes. I think, you know, the, the last possession, he stops the initial penetration, then someone else drove and he like one of the things that you talked about like ben taylor's video comparing his defense and lebron's is that you know he's not as active as a help defender right at the basket but he was in this circumstance he was just attacking the ball when people drove and so they force a miss zubach gets the rebound uh who had been actually pretty good he, he had a, a nice finish he, he had forced some misses around the rim on verticality plays he usually doesn't get to finish the game but harrell is gone and they went with him instead 
instead of green and gets the rebound tries to outlet it looks like the clippers because game's tied at 115 clippers are about to get a fast break the other way and mikhail bridges gets an awesome deflection he is so good at that by the way and phoenix gets it back about eight seconds left no timeout by monty williams they just go zubac goes and straight up doubles devin booker up at half court i probably think doc rivers just ordered him to do that and i think they didn't have good enough communication that there was going to be a double and so devin booker did the michael jordan just drive around the double team and it was still really good defense by the clippers booker made this incredible play he stops uh near the left elbow and he kept his left foot his back foot as his pivot foot and then somehow spun back to his left yeah and i mean i was like when i saw it at first i'm like oh they must have just swallowed their whistles like that's a clear travel no he absolutely had his pivot foot kept it the whole time just great body control and hit an impossible shot over two guys it was awesome that very well could have been an and one if they had decided to call that contact yeah so that was uh, the end of the game was really good you know booker i think watching him go against paul george and Kawhi was really interesting i, I think he Paul George, you know, he's he's not what he was, I think, defensively a couple of years ago on the ball. And, you know, we've seen him, for example, most notably at the end of that Portland series getting beaten and he still can get skinny over screens but he just doesn't quite make guys as uncomfortable as he used to. And, and Booker really got off against him in the third quarter early and then booker even had this crazy step back three on Kawhi when he was feeling hot and like i was like whoa he just did to Kawhi what Kawhi does to everyone else and you know booker is a shooting guard he like got his shoulder into Kawhi, knocked him backwards Kawhi just has so much core strength i was shocked he was able to do that and then got the three-pointer off and hit it right in his face it was really really impressive stuff from booker in this game and like, there certainly are times, you know, Booker is not like that every game, and there are times he gets shut down. Like Drew Holiday always does a really nice job on him, but, you know, there are times when he is unguardable by even the best. I, I found myself cracking up a couple times in this game because it is still generally true. There are more kind of Andrew Wigginses than there are Devin Bookers and Brandon Ingrams. Like, there there is sometimes an inevitability with players who have a lot of tools and who look good when they're young that they're going to become superstars. And you and I were both skeptical with Devin Booker and with Brandon Ingram, honestly, that they would that they would become the players that a lot of people thought were were inevitable. And with Booker, it he deserves so much credit for the ways that he has improved physically, the ways that his skill development. Uh, you, you brought up the footwork on that on that crazy kind of leaning step back, the the game winning shot, and. I- I, I I think it's good to kind of take that beat to be like, it takes so much work and so much improvement to become the player that Devin Booker is now. And this is not the player he was two years ago. Yeah. And in particular, I, I give Monty Williams uh, and his staff a lot of credit with Booker. I mean, it started last year when he really became efficient, but this year with more of the off ball stuff, although it was mostly on ball uh, in this game, it, to be fair, but getting him some easier opportunities, I think really helps. I, I really, some of the plays that they have been running uh, have been pretty good. You know, I, I think they, the Suns now are a lot of times lead uh, or, or I don't know if they're leading the NBA in assists, but they have been up at the top in the NBA this year in terms of assists and then also uh, possessions per game off of cuts per synergy and many of the top guards in the NBA in terms of cut possessions per game are Suns perimeter players. So that that's really impressive as well. So that was good to see. You know, they had this other play where usually you would do Devin Booker popping out to get a handoff from DeAndre Ayton at the free throw line. And instead they had Booker, who was kind of locked up with his man, go set a screen for Ayton so that he could get to the basket, although he ended up getting blocked on a nice play by Marcus Morris and helped defense. But that was a cute little wrinkle uh, as well. So I, I really liked what I saw from the Suns offense in this one. Um, any other notes on this one? I, I got a few yeah, more. I, but. One, one of the other heroes of this game, not exactly expected, was Cameron Payne. I thought that Payne, he came off the bench, 12 points, three assists, and in some of those second unit heavier minutes where the Suns straight up outplayed the Clippers, and some of that might have been Lou Williams rounding into form. This was his first game back, and also a little bit of a disjointed rotation because Patrick Beverly left this one pretty quickly with a cap issue which fortunately doc rivers is saying it isn't bad but i mean any calf issue generally means you're out a week exactly and remember that the clippers 
not only do they have very little to play for in the seeding games, but it is now looking more likely, even though Dallas isn't the team that we kind of hoped they would be coming into the bubble, that they're going to face at least a capable team. So I'm guessing that Doc is going to be exceedingly judicious, as he should be, with Patrick Beverly moving forward. So, I mean, we might not see kind of the, the yeah. Clippers in the like kind of in their full form until the playoffs. It wouldn't it would shock me if we saw it before then. Yeah, I think you mentioned this the other day, the the idea that they might even want to just fall to the three. Sure. Depending on, on what the matchup is, because there's no home court advantage in the two three matchup in the second round. So you might as if you like your matchup against Utah better than Dallas, which I certainly would. Yeah, maybe maybe you would, but so we'll see we gotta see what happens with Denver though too. You know, they they had that nice win last night. But uh, LA would would have to fall far indeed uh, to lose to them uh deandre ayton it was a mixed bag for him you know you you don't really like the 9 of 18 for 19 points you know again he's not getting to the foul line much i think his one free throw attempt was an and one uh, on a nice uh pick and roll layup but he did have a big verticality play at the rim late i think it was on paul george Uh, that looked really good um he also though really got beat up in pick and roll defense by george george was really fast in this game i I thought he uh split the pick and roll like three four times in a row in the third quarter he's really more juice off the dribble than i can recall seeing from him in some time and then he was on fire from three in the last two games that he's played uh Aiton, I mean, you know, the shot chart is not amazing, right? Three of five at the rim, and then he's five out of 11 on twos outside the restricted area and one of two from three which is you know good to see him expanding out there a little bit so you know it was a little bit of this just uh, the quick trigger in the mid-range yeah he was four or seven on mid-rangers that's not bad but still you'd like to see him working a little bit more inside than that and i'll talk about it a little bit a little bit more when we do the kind of where things are section of this podcast but phoenix has through hard work through some some really exciting wins they've brought themselves into a different part of relevance in this conversation like basically it was like they're gonna have to win a lot and a bunch of other teams are gonna have to lose a lot in order to get into it but we're not all the way there but starting to see the early inclinations there the challenge for phoenix is they have a lot of tough teams still to play and that was why not only because of the margin that they had to, to make up over all these other teams that are fighting for the eight and the nine but no matter what whether they get into that that playing game or not the experience that these guys will have like i mean cam johnson mikhail bridges booker and Eaton, of course like i I think that there's a lot that they could take away from this and money williams gets to coach them a little bit more so it was i think you're starting to get the argument that whether or not it was a quote-unquote justifiable decision to bring them in they're making the most of it that's for sure got a couple more thoughts uh, here on this one but i got to tell you about svc i was actually talking to one of our former students today by email Simon Charing Gordon, he now actually works for the NBA. We brought him on to do a lot of stuff regarding social media for SBC, which he was awesome at, and uh, he kept grinding at it and ended up getting hired in that role for the NBA. So it was good to catch up with him. We got really this branching network of alumni now. And yeah, you know what? SBC is not a guarantee that you're going to get a job in sports by any means, but I think what it can do is if you really are talented and dedicated number one it can teach you how to apply that how to find perhaps niches that you didn't realize as a way to get into sports and i think it can also just be inspiring a lot as well i think so many people go to sbc and they're like yeah you know i always love sports i i'm follow it absolutely as closely as i can but you know i kind of didn't think that it was possible for me and yeah you know what like not every sbc alumnus is going to get a job but there are some who do every year and that's because they're really really good and they're they learn how to network and they learn how to leverage the abilities that they have uh, to find something so the good news is the price point's a lot lower this year and you can do it from home we're taking the conference virtual this year sadly we have to due to COVID 19 but this is a, a different opportunity and the way to get started with them is at sportsbusinessclassroom.com it's august 10th through 14th so still plenty of time to sign up it's going to be a five-day immersive program i will be teaching there of course and highly encourage you to check it out and if you do go to sports business classroom and sign up uh please let them know that you came from our podcast so for the clippers 
Harrell is still out. I don't think he's even returned to the bubble yet, right, Danny? I, I haven't heard that he has, so... Yeah, Doc Rivers said he didn't know what his status is. So we're starting to get a little to the point where his playoffs could potentially be impacted. Now, Lou Williams did end his quarantine, and, and they really played him pretty much soon after that now Lou is a guy who's he's just got that body type where he's not going to get out of condition he's just a hooper he can get out there and play uh and you know he looked pretty rusty that wasn't a huge surprise uh but you know I'm sure he'll be ready by the the time the playoffs come around um Dario Saric has been a bit of a revelation for the Suns of the ball coming off the bench they've got Cam Johnson and Bridges starting of course with Kelly Oubre is yet to play as well but as a backup for uh Saric really scored six quick points against Patrick Patterson at the start of the fourth which stakes Phoenix to uh, a moderate lead the Clips ended up coming back later on but it was still just you know one of those nice little sequences and but also a reminder that Patrick Patterson will not hopefully be playing meaningful minutes for the Clippers in the playoffs um Suns did a nice job going after Reggie Jackson and Landry Shamit, trying yeah. to get them switched on to Booker. Booker hit a go-ahead shot with about 30 seconds left against Jackson after a switch. And I, I Shamit, I'm against this competition that they're going to play. I worry about him defensively against the Warriors. He was a good matchup because he's he's better off the ball. He did a good job top locking Steph Curry last year. But this year, if you got to go against LeBron James for example, or you got to go against Luka Doncic. Shamit just doesn't have the size and athleticism to deal with those players. So uh, the hope was that he would be better defensively than Lou Williams, and he is, but he may still be enough of a liability that they have to go with Beverly. Hopefully Beverly uh, recovers from that calf issue. And I did think that Kawhi Leonard, who looked, you know, not incredibly quick in the first game against the Lakers, I thought when he really tried to take over when they were down six, he basically just willed them back into the game. Yeah, uh, that until big Booker stretch. hit that winner. Yeah, like he looked really quick. Like he had a play where he drove baseline, crossed over on eight, and just left him in the dust and laid it in. That was really impressive. So uh, Kawhi, the energy level he showed in the last three four minutes of this game, I thought was very encouraging. So not the end of the world that the Clips lost this. Uh, they had the better shot distribution in this game. Phoenix really just lit it up. I think Phoenix was, oh yes, not a typo, 13 of 29 from mid-range in this game. And 17 of 32 from three. Yeah, so this is one where Phoenix, we can talk a little bit about their playoff chances. Their opponents are shooting 27% from three over these first three games. And recall, too, that, yeah, they've beaten a couple of tough opponents, but they also have really had the shooting luck advantage in both of those games, Dallas and the Clippers. So let's not go crazy here. I mean, this is one, hey, they're 3-0. and They are capable of playing very well. You know, they started the season seven and four as well. They looked a, a lot better and then they really fell off. Um, you know, they will hopefully get Aaron Baines back. He's still trying to get back into condition. Frank Kaminsky is back from his uh, knee issue, but they're doing some charge on the second unit as well. Be interesting to see how it happens. They just have so many teams that they have to pass, though, is really the problem, even though they are closer to the team that's in eighth now. Well, do you want to jump to the team that is in seventh now, getting eking out their first win of the bubble? Uh, yeah, let's do it right after this. Yes. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Sacramento-Dallas game was not a classic Ugh, by no, any it wasn't. means. At least in terms of the number of fouls where Dallas shot 50 free throws. In terms of the offense at the end when in the last five minutes of the regulation, Dallas outscored Sacramento 6-0 to zero to tie it. The last point in this game was Maxi Kleba making one out of two on a loose ball foul with 152 remaining. But then Dallas did restore order in the overtime. Anything that really struck you about this one? Yeah, so the, uh, the first quarter felt like a bunch of other kind of fluky games especially there was this thing going on with the early games on Tuesday where you know Brooklyn Brooklyn beat Milwaukee we're not gonna spend a lot of time on that and then then this one where Sacramento was just hitting everything and Dallas was missing everything but that is only part of it I thought that Dallas's defense in the early stretch of this game was absolutely horrendous it wasn't just you know Sacramento not the greatest three-point shooting team in the world making nine of 16 most of them were wide open and like Buddy Heald had a couple of really open ones Baysmore hit one Bazemore ended up in the entire game taking 16 shots and getting 16 points, which was pretty stunning other than the context of, of the rest of the game. And so th- so it kind of became this question of like, not, okay, you know, like the Port- the Portland-Boston reference that I had before, of like, can can the shooting luck kind of score, the shot making square up? It was, can Dallas actually play a little bit better? And and they really did. And I they they weren't, didn't fix everything, but they, they solidified enough to force overtime and then get the win by four. Yeah, they finally did better in the clutch. They actually scored 19 points. It was 19 to 15, although there was some garbage time buckets from Buddy Heald late. Um, You know, Doncic was unbelievable again. 34 points on 12 of 24, 20 rebounds and 12 assists. It got his 20th rebound with an offensive rebound late in the overtime uh, that pretty much iced it after he missed a floater. Porzingis, you know, uh, you mentioned the defense early. He hasn't really had the impact at the rim. Part of that's because they played Houston in the first game, obviously. But, you know, I haven't really seen him with a ton of verticality plays. This game was weird for him. 22 points, 6 of 18, 10 of 11 from the foul line. He has been getting to the line a fair amount. But the sixth foul, his sixth foul was just, I couldn't deal with it. I mean, they're, they're really, he's such a player with like <laughs> such crazy strengths and weaknesses. And do, you, do you remember that sixth foul? I I don't think I remember it as clearly. When you describe it, I, I, I remember going a little bit nuts in my when it happened, but I don't remember it too well right well, now. Well, so I want to say there's like maybe five minutes left in the game or something. And with 10 on the shot clock, they get a switch, and he's being guarded by Corey Brewer. Oh, yeah. Maybe one of the quickest guard defenders. Corey, Corey Joseph. Sorry, yes, thank you. Yeah, the the, the Corys. There's the Corys and the TJs uh, on, on Indiana that confuse me now that uh, Corey Brewer is back. But yeah, Corey Joseph, one of the quickest guard defenders. And KP is like, oh, I know how I'm going to attack this. 25 feet from the rim. I'm going to put the ball on the floor and take Corey Joseph all the way to the basket. And predictably, Corey Joseph makes him go right where he can't do anything. And he runs over Corey Joseph for an offensive foul, which is a six. And it's just, man, like this. You know, he's kind of getting bailed out on some of these too, with like fouls on some of these drives where he's like trying to like feel contact and throw it up. And, you know, it, it goes just well enough that it seems to work okay. But, you know, that's not going to work against a real team and a real defender. Particularly, you know, if you're being guarded by the other team's center, that's one thing. If you're being guarded by the smallest, quickest defender on the floor, maybe just pass the ball and go into the post if you, or uh, maybe get it to Luka Doncic, who's probably going to have a, a pretty good matchup himself as well. Something else that struck me about this one, I know that Luke Walton and, and people were talking about the, the free throw attempt disparity in this game. 50 for Sacramento, 12 for, or sorry, 50 for Dallas, 12 for Sacramento. Yeah, that was a little bit on the extreme but wait hold on can i share an anecdote here i forget it was who it was who shared this on twitter luke walton after the game is like yeah i can't remember a game in which their the other team shot 50 free throws that's completely insane and so someone dug up that luke walton was on a lakers team that shot 58 free throws in a game at the new york knicks in like 2008 or something that was pretty funny yeah it was but but sacramento was fouling a lot they were and they were giving up part of luca going eight of 11 from the line was they were giving up drives and then they were fouling when the driver got into the paint and i didn't think that and and it's not like fox or their their guards were really doing doing a lot to draw fouls on that in that respect so it's like i think there a lot of times and some of this can be home let's call it hometown announcers that 
pointing to free throw disparity, I may have written a piece related to this at one point. Free throw disparity is a proxy for unfair officiating. Sometimes it is just actually the way the game was played, and I thought that was more true than not here, though it's an easy trope for a coach to go at because it's better than saying, hey, we got we got, we got out-muscled, like we shouldn't have committed as, as many fouls. Yeah. It's one thing if it's the stars on the other team, right? Because it's like, you, oh, they're getting superstar calls. You know, they're they're kind of baiting you into these fouls. But Dorian Finney-Smith had nine free throw attempts and Tim Hardaway had eight, including just a terrible foul by Buddy Heald that the Kings were up three in overtime. And uh, that foul just completely changed the, the, the momentum as Hardaway hit all three of them tied it. And then Dallas uh, took control after that. Um, so, like, if you're going to commit a bunch of fouls on, like, guys like that, like, the refs aren't going to give you... There's no, like, superstar calls on those guys, right? Like, those guys earn their fouls. So... Um, uh, one of my yeah. one of my favorite little things from this game in the young guy review, just because I'd done the work on Moxie Kleba, I I, I think I mentioned this on the pod that he has the shortest seconds per touch and i cracked up that that's front court touches so this doesn't actually count that he had one where he grabbed a defensive rebound and immediately threw it out of bounds and i was just like <laughs> this is the perfect way to lower your seconds per touch like he just like grabbed the rebound <laughs> and just chuck it and uh, it, uh i mean Kleba was totally he was fine in this one i thought that you know they, they needed to lean on lean on a couple guys more we saw jj berea get the start but only play 14 minutes and i i I, I just it just yeah, Seth, me. Seth Curry by the way yes, out with I should have mentioned uh, a sore leg because he has been starting uh, for them and thankfully that is not the leg that he had to have the surgery on where he missed all of seventeen eighteen that was his left leg but you know sore leg doesn't sound great hopefully it's not the same issue in his uh, opposite leg but uh, yeah you know Trey Burke got some some time as well they ended up closing it with Klebet Center after. Porzingis had fouled out he he did a nice job towards the end um you worried at all about like the number of minutes that these guys are playing for Dallas I mean this is three down to the wire games I think Doncic has played over 40 minutes in all these games more no than yes as long as Rick Carlisle realizes their seating isn't going to change in a couple days because at that point there they'll be they'll probably get a they can get a week of lighter minutes for these guys and so if, it, if this was the last three games and those were they're playing 43 44 45 I would be more concerned yeah from a sports science uh, perspective there is some validity to the idea of really building guys up for a while and then you know let them taper off and if they're locked into the seven that's pretty much what uh what could end up happening and, and Dunch has actually played 38 minutes against phoenix and they've had the two overtime games aside from that they got him into the 40s um few other notes here for the kings who are done now for sure this was the, really their last gasp bogdan bogdanovich was 0 for 14 until he finally hit a desperation three Ugh. in the overtime, which which saved him from you know one of the worst lines you're ever going to see. Uh, Buddy Heald also hit some garbage threes at the end, but I thought he was terrible. Like I thought it was a microcosm of his night. In addition to the three the critical three shot foul he gave up, he comes into the game in the third quarter. By the way, he's not starting because they he can't guard Luka Doncic. They decided that they went with Corey Joseph so he could guard Doncic rather than Buddy Hill. So Buddy Hill comes in, and the moment he gets in the game, he gives up a backdoor on a sideline out of bounds for a dunk. And the Kings actually gave up two of those in the second half uh, that really killed them. I do really like a lot of the sets that the Kings run because, you know, they only really have one guy who can do anything as a creator, and that's Fox. So they do a lot of creative stuff. You know, Igor Kokoshkov does some of that. Luke Walton was in Golden State with Steve Kerr. So they do stuff where they'll get the ball into the post, run a lot of nice screens for shooters, uh, particularly out of timeouts to try to get guys open. Now, of course, Bogdanovich wasn't making any of those today and he'll didn't until late, but those, it's just some of those actions are if you if you're a coach who wants to see some actions to run for a shooter you, you could watch this game and see some of the stuff they're running it was interesting and uh anything else you had i got like a couple more here before we go well i mentioned i i mentioned sacramento's front court committing all his fouls i want to go through some numbers rashawn holmes fouled out 25 minutes harrison barnes five fouls 32 minutes harry giles five fouls 13 minutes and Damn near all those were earned. I think so. It's so interesting. Barnes, I mean, I think last year he had like a 16% usage on the Kings. And, you know, I know Barnes isn't like some world beater offensive, but he's like two of six in this game. He just like goes like tons of possessions in a row without getting any kind of a touch. 
and I mean this is this team doesn't have anything else like I would go to his ISO game a little bit like you know, run a few plays for him keep him involved as well I mean not that he has a low effort but um another big problem with the Kings was the defensive rebounding Holmes is not a good defensive rebounder Barnes at the four is not a good defensive rebounder that, that was a problem for them uh Nemanja Bialica I'm just glad that he's in the NBA remember he was about to go back to Europe and then the Kings gave him that deal after he uh, welched on the deal with the Sixers in the summer of 2018 and he just knows how to play he's a, a smart finisher he's added like very very deep three-point range talked about him a little bit more actually uh, and how the Kings get more out of him uh, on the pod with Hollinger today and Luka Doncic in uh, the overtime in particular and the end of regulation thought his defense was pretty good yeah. you know he uh De'Aaron Fox isoed against him on the last possession and had to go to a pretty tough fadeaway from the foul line that missed uh, you know, he had a couple of times where, you know, he's not going to stop the absolute best guys every time, but you know, when guys like Buddy Heald would try him, like he stoned him pretty good. There's another play where uh, they ran like a, a deceptive flare screen for Buddy Heald after a timeout. And so Doncic was guarding one of the guys and he helps into the lane and then gets all out there to run Heald off the line in the corner. So I, I thought his defensive effort was pretty good. And, you know, we have, I didn't really see him again, granted it's the Kings, it's not the Lakers or the Clippers, but you know, he didn't really get beat up uh, too badly defensively i thought he did a nice job on this one should we shift to the overall picture yeah and unfortunately i think an important piece of the overall picture is the the news out of memphis that jaron jackson jr will miss the remainder of the season due to a torn meniscus crushing for the Grizzlies, crushing for those of us who've enjoyed watching Jaron Jackson play. We'll have to see what the timeline is because remember that out for the season now, because next season could start so so soon, it might be impacting that. He's been such a revelation in terms of a three-point shooter. We've been intrigued, but sometimes disappointed in his defensive potential. But for Memphis... They were already in a desperate forward shortage. Well, well here, can, can I talk, talk a little bit more about Jackson first sure, before you shift to the the effect of it? So uh, this is his left meniscus injury. Um, that is the opposite leg from the quad issue that ended his season last year. But recall that he was going to miss a few weeks before the shutdown with a left knee sprain and he actually injured that left knee sprain the same way as he injured this meniscus he uh was contesting a shot and came down awkwardly um so i think that's it's just from a psychological standpoint it's tough to injure the same knee the exact same way twice in a row hopefully it's not something that's you know it's going to make him a little bit more gun shy about contesting shots and We'll know, I would assume, when the timetable comes out, if it's the meniscus trim, you know, that's six to eight weeks, should be back, no problem for next year. If it's the meniscus repair, that could be a four-month type of injury, and clearly they will be very conservative with him and you know if there's a chance to do the repair and you in theory have fewer issues going forward, I, I'm sure they will take the chance to do that. Um yeah, let's turn now to what this means for them going forward. Uh, KP wrote a good piece uh, about that today. Yeah, he wrote he wrote a wonderful piece going through how how it could affect the odds and a, a big part of what he talked about and what you and I will focus on is when you lose a player, not only do you take them out of the rotation, but also you have to throw somebody in in their place. And maybe they're going to start Brandon Clark. Something KP wrote about well in the ESPN piece was the Clark Valanciunas lineups in terms of things like net rating have been very successful, but there's a lot of shooting luck that could potentially be involved in that but also just filling out the rest of the rotation they don't they're the Grizzlies are playing without Justice Winslow and they don't they don't really have capable players to to fill in here so the issues that we saw for example in their loss to the Pelicans on on Monday I think a lot of those are going to get even worse their defense is going to get worse and now thinking about that schedule which came up a little bit on Monday's pod that they're not Memphis wasn't going to be favored in any of their remaining games even before the Jaron Jackson news that becomes even more clear now and being not favored is they they could absolutely win a couple of those games they could win hell they could win all of them that's the, that's the joy of games not being played on paper but their Memphis's viability not only in getting trying to hold the eight seed but also in a theoretical playing game and the idea was always that the the eight seed has this big structural advantage and Memphis looks like the most likely team to wield that but if it's this Memphis team that it looks like it's going to be, I could absolutely see them losing twice in a row. Yeah, you, you make a great point there. 
And, you know, they do have Gorgie Jang and Kyle Anderson to replace Jaron Jackson. So those are competent players. And we'll see, you know, Jang has improved his three-point shooting this year. So, uh, but they are going to be really hurting for spacing. You know, they're hurting for spacing with, with Jaron Jackson. Uh, getting Tyus Jones back would really help, although he's not going to play for Wednesday. Uh, KP, peace. Well, and, KP, and him peace being noted. ruled out over a day in advance is concerning. Yeah, you, you make a good point there. And, you know, without Ja, they have a negative 7.4 net rating. That's basically accounts for them losing these games. So, uh, New Orleans, by contrast now, uh, KP finds that they will finish 8th 22% of the time, ninth 28% of the time. So that puts them with exactly a 50% chance of making the playoff game. Uh, and they would reach the playoffs in 36% of simulation. So if they do make the the play in, you know, it seems like they would be relatively favored. But you know, a lot a lot of these systems really like the Pels compared to some of these other teams. Um, also worth noting, the Pels do not play a single team over 500 the rest of the way. And two of their games are against the Kings. And Jaron Fox has played a ton of minutes these first three games. The Kings are done now. So we may see them take their foot off the throttle a little bit here and that those games could get a little easier even more so than they would have been for the Pels and then of course uh, Portland their road is a little bit harder in terms of the teams they're playing but you know we're going to see how that shakes out as you know teams incentives change as we get later into the bubble and maybe some seating gets wrapped up and you also these teams have enough continuity their guys have gotten into enough shape they want to start resting people um should we hit some news real quick here yeah let's do it so a uh, quick score update around the, the league indiana took care of orlando and brooklyn won so orlando hasn't quite wrapped up the seven yet tj warren 32 points on another ridiculous shooting performance i mean he's this is he i think he set the pacer record for most points over a three-game stretch with what he's doing with his 32 points in this one and brooklyn beat half of milwaukee although they did actually lead them at halftime um middleton and Giannis didn't play in the second half eric bledsoe did come back Connaughton came back you know those guys didn't play a lot of minutes brooke lopez didn't play at all so this is the bucks just kind of taking this one off um and brooklyn won so that makes washington's task even more hopeless than it already was and, and jamal um, crawford left that game with a hamstring issue oh yeah good good point there um you know he had been out due to conditioning but i guess it made sense that they would take him out brooklyn for their part didn't play jared allen or carousel Verde in that game either so that, was a, that game was a little uh second week of summer leaguey and mike muscala is going to miss time with a concussion we talked about that he that he suffered yesterday so that'll probably give andre robertson a, a little bit of a chance um the suns are selling their g league franchise to the pistons talked about that more on the pod with, with hollinger today so we can talk about that sacramento did get alex len back for four minutes in this game sorry i misspoke three minutes in this game and for toronto patrick mccaw oddly has not been playing it's not actually been articulated precisely what it is that he is dealing with but he's there uh so uh I think that's all we got anything to talk about before we go other than a reminder to a comment about the nba cast on social media in a positive fashion if you would like us to do more well, of them and, and, and be... ask questions using the hashtag nba cast and we will answer them on thank air. you thank you and of course watch us 2 30 eastern uh, uh the utah memphis game tomorrow and then we got suns pacers the tj well warren bowl up. that's gonna be awesome oh yeah and i mean both those teams are playing well they're both three and oh yeah so the one of the both those teams would be undefeated going into that game so uh i still doubt they might ship that they might uh ship that to national tv that's probably not gonna happen with the, with those two teams but in any event i will be very excited to watch it but maybe a national audience less so uh do you have anything else you, you want to talk about before we go no you know i, I, I everything's still enough self-promotion Are you just sick of it at this point no i've just been so busy <laughs> doing all our stuff i haven't figured out what real gm radio is going to be this week and i haven't done a whole lot of writing so we'll save yeah, that I mean, we'll save that for crazy. another time yeah and uh houston portland's going on right now uh if anything interesting and it happens on that one we'll update you tomorrow and uh that is when we will next talk to you till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.